When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever. Dog. This episode of the Need to Fail is brought to you by the stock market. You know what? In these troubling times, it's good to know that we have something steady, something that we can count on, something that makes sense. It's the stock market. Nope. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Need to Fail. My name is Don Finelli. I run this thing. I've got a global pandemic going on, civil unrest, trying to raise a 15-month-old. Donnie boy's keeping it together. Let me tell you, my my, my brain's rock solid on all this stuff. Uh, think I'm down to my final 10 interviews here. Going to be wrapping this whole thing up soon. Uh, I got some ideas on how to wrap it up. I'm just trying to tie some loose ends on that. So I'm going to talk about that maybe next week or the week after. I won't leave you hanging too much, though. But I think it's going to be cool and special. Uh, For now, I say we just get into it because we have my friend, actress and writer Ellen Hahn on today co-author of the newly released book Cinderella and the Glass Ceiling and Other Feminist Fairy Tales, a brilliant reimagining of many of the fairy tales that we've grown near and dear to over the years. Uh, This was based on her and Laura Lane's sketch show Femme Fairy Tales that ran at the UCB Theater on both coasts. You've also seen her in How to Get Away with Murder these last five years. She's had a recurring role on that. Uh, She's done sketch at UCB in the pit, acted at Williamstown Theater Festival and the Actors Theater at Louisville. You might have seen her uh, viral web series, OMG High, at some point as well. She also played the bride in a little IFC Comedy Crib series that Laura and I created called Wedding Season that no one watched. I've known Ellen for, oh man, many years now. She's married to past Need to Fail guest and good bud of mine, Drew Johnston. I was honored to be in their wedding in good old Kansas City. Barbecue there is no fucking joke. Uh, Ellen's the best, man. Hilarious, fantastic actress. Uh, writing fucking books now. One of the nicest people I've ever met. Huge football fan. Uh, I was so happy to chat with her. So I say we get to it. Here she is, Ellen Hahn. Yeah, in my head, it was, it's so funny because I was like, oh, yeah, like, I know you mostly as an actress. Like, mm-hmm. I know you kind of been hustling uh, through that and you went to USC. And but but on the grand scheme of things, your career is a lot of writing. There's been yeah. a, you, you've done a, done a ton of writing. And I was like, was that out of necessity or was that was that actually something that you loved all along? Like you were like, oh, no, I like writing and acting. Um, you know what I mean? The answer to that is both, I think. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, so I went to the theater school at USC and something – USC is a really um, funny place to go to theater school because it's uh, very industry-focused. Um, yes, I think it's right. really an anomaly in like the acting school world. Um, mm-hmm. But because it's in LA and because there are a lot of uh, famous people that go there, uh, mm-hmm. you just kind of 
they really also actually really do kind of teach you how the industry works. And, um, yeah, it is, it's, it's both a blessing and a curse. I'm really glad that I had it. I think that there were like early points in my career where I was mostly focused on like, okay, what's going to be good for my career rather than like, what, Mm -hmm. what am I actually interested in? Um, right. That's always the trade-off between like that and like the New York schools, which are heavily into like almost stage acting, right? Like you'll you'll get your on-camera acting classes. You'll have your one-on-ones and, you know, places like that. But like where I went, it's mostly like they're preparing you, sure, for the real world a little bit, but it's really (laughs) like working on the craft. I mean, the craft is like the, the main focus and, you know. I feel like there's always the trade-off where it's like, well, once you're released into the world, like once you leave your, say, NYUs or your acting schools or like, are you completely prepared for how it works? It's like, no. So it's like, but then at the same time, if all you're thinking about is your career, you know, or like it's, you know how it works career-wise. So therefore it's like a, you have to find this balance, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and at USC, they were always telling us to like, they were always saying, produce your own work, make your own work, write your own work. And I had kind of like written, I had always written things before then, but that really like drilled it into my brain. Um, And not Mm -hmm. that I was necessarily doing a bunch of it in college. I was like producing a lot of my own plays because Mm -hmm. I don't want to get too into the weeds of how the USC school school of theater works, but I was not cast in a show at US, like an official school of theater show in my entire four years at USC. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Because um, there are two, there are two concurrent programs, the BA acting program and the BFA acting program. And mm-hmm. I did the BA program because I really wanted to have a double major. I was like a big nerd. Uh, I wanted mm-hmm. to have a double major and a minor and you couldn't do that if you were a BFA. Um, and the way that they would cast shows was that everybody in the BFA program had to be in a show in a given semester. And then the BAs basically got what was left. The scraps. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had the luck to be a BA. I'm like five foot nine and blonde. And the mm-hmm. BFA acting class my year was entirely five foot nine blonde women. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I just like, I remember my freshman year being like, oh, I'm never, I'm never going to get cast. <laughs> this is just not going to happen. And it's all, it was also like, I do remember that. I always felt really good about like the work that I was doing. I had really great professors and like really great training, but I do remember auditioning like the second semester of my senior year. And I was like, it's going to fucking happen this time. Like I've got to get cast. They were doing a Lanford Wilson play and I'm like from Missouri. Like this is (laughs) like, I was like, I the stars have aligned. Yes. I had produced Tally. I had like done Tally's Folly with two friends of mine. And I was like, I'm going to fucking get into this play. And I had a great audition with this like guest director and the callback list went up and my name was not on it. And I was like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. What is going on here? And then my friend Andy, like a couple days later was like, yeah, I saw your headshot on the floor of the Bing theater and it had like callback for this part, this part, this part on it. But it was literally dropped on the floor of the theater. Like this poor director had just lost my headshot. And oh that was uh, that was my chance to get cast in anything at USC. Uh, really. Yeah, it was. It's, uh, it's how do you, do you go in your head and you're like, it's fate. Like yeah. it's 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 uh, it's just not supposed to happen. Yep, yep. I had a pretty. I spiraled about that like pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, it it's was, so crazy because you're so you know so much about theater. You're so into theater, but it feels like USC so much more on camera. Yeah. You're, 
what was there though like the BABFA program was really d- focused on the craft like stage acting yeah the i would say the theater school and a lot has changed since i have been there because this is like 10 years at this point but the theater right. school specifically is very they really focus on on theater the classics and stuff yeah, yeah. and okay. um especially when i was there the woman mary joan negro who's like one of my favorite professors she's like a juilliard person and like mm-hmm. a lot of the teachers were went to act they're like they all have big theater backgrounds gotcha gotcha yeah. And then it just kind of happens. Your last year ends up mostly being like on camera classes just kind of because it's in LA and everybody, they like, yeah, they teach you those skills also. Were you someone that was like, I want to go to New York and be on Broadway or were you like, oh, because now I'm at USC and I'm just here. I'm I'm in Hollywood already. So let me just kind of stay here and try to make it here. Well, so what I did actually, so my senior year, I ended up auditioning for the Actors Theater of Louisville Acting Apprentice Company, which is – so Actors Theater is – it's in Louisville, Kentucky. It's like one of the best regional theaters in the country. And they have a mm. huge festival called the Humana Festival of New American Plays every year, which mm-hmm. is like the big like new play festival. Um, awesome. And I had – I don't remember exactly how I – oh, you know what? It was – I had a professor who had actually – worked at Actors Theater. Um, and it was just kind of like on my radar anyway. And the Acting Apprentice Program, it's great. It's really kind of the only one in the nation. There are some other ones that are similar, but you work at the theater for a year and you get paid to do it. Like you don't get paid hmm. a lot of money, but you, it's enough to live on in Louisville. Enough to live. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, enough to survive. Um, so I auditioned for that and got accepted to it. So after after being in LA at USC, I like spent a summer at home and then in August went to Louisville, Kentucky and spent a year there working at, at that theater. Um, cool. And because I, th- I really, my plan was to stay in LA if I didn't get into that program. Um, right, sure. But, yeah. And even when I was in Louisville, I kept thinking like, well, I like film and TV. I probably should just go back to LA. And um, some of the people that were like in charge there were kind of pointing me in like the LA direction. But when you're an apprentice, you have a show in the Humana Festival as well. And it's kind of a showcase mm-hmm. because so much of the New York theater world like comes down to that festival. Um, yeah. So after that festival, I just kind of realized that I had, even if I was going to end up in LA eventually, I had way more professional connections in New York. Like I had, mm. I had, I think like two or three agents that were interested in me. And then like, we mm-hmm. had just done this big showcase for like a bunch of casting directors. Um, and I felt, I was really sad about moving to New York because I, really all of my friends were still in California. Um, but it just kind of felt, I remember calling up one of my professors and he was like, no, you should go to New York. Like (laughs) there's something. he's like, don't like your friends are here. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It really was a moment where I was like, Oh, this man just made this decision for me. (laughs) Well, what the interesting thing is, is you didn't get cast in any plays at USC, but then you wound up getting to this program. How did you get into this program? Did you have to like uh, mail them like a monologue or something that you did or did I, you have to put yourself on tape or I, something i flew myself to new york and auditioned for them <laughs> wow yeah. okay well, so I, you so you knew a professor that like had done this that so you had a little bit of like uh an in, not an in but you like you knew someone that had done this right yeah 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 so, yeah and then I think, you fly yourself to new york to audition for this yeah i basically was just like well Holy i'm gonna shit yeah i had one friend that lived in new york and i was like i like had a i was working in the usc costume shop at the time so i like saved up enough money for a plane ticket and asked if yeah. i could like crash on his couch for like i think two nights um wow. and then just like did the audition and then left they uh, at, at the time they would 
audition people in New York and Chicago. And then they would go on this like kind of circuit of like different theater schools around the country, but they didn't really come to the West coast. Um, so yeah, so I just, yeah, I just made it work. This might be a stupid question, but like when you're not casting those things, okay. Like, Oh, there's a lot are in your head. You're like, Oh, there's so many other blondes here. And you know, there's all this stuff. Are you, are you ever thinking like, I'm not good at that? Like was, was your yeah. talent in question? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Cause sometimes like that shit happens and we're so young that we're like, ah, there's blonde chicks. They lost my fucking thing. Yeah. This, it just doesn't matter. But it's, it's tough sometimes like auditioning in this short amount of time. Like you have a only limited amount of time. That's why I'm thinking like, oh, sometimes like the weight of the world comes on your shoulders and you're talent yeah did you ever go through any of that yeah I definitely did and I'll say that like I probably was not I mean it wasn't like I was the greatest actor to ever be in that theater school like I don't think I walked in as a freshman and should have been cast in anything but sure. I, um, I know what you're saying but but by but the you, time you knew you but you had ta- you, you you knew though that you had talent yeah I mean I didn't my freshman year I thought oh I'm probably terrible and then I finally my <laughs> sophomore year <laughs> really I really really thought that and then by my sophomore year I had found enough professors that like spoke my language and were really encouraging to me that made me feel like I could do it. And then I also started working really hard, which is, you know, that's also the secret to acting that nobody tells you that you have to work really hard and really apply yourself to it. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess actually, I mean, people say that, but I I think maybe that's a misconception when you're young that it's either talent or no talent. I think you're right. I think it's like some people are just born to do it, which is true, but like yeah. it's a craft. It's, I wouldn't say it's no different than like uh, dentistry or b- being a fucking blacksmith. I don't know why I'm <laughs> using those, those two antiquated, not antiquated, but those are my two examples. You're, yeah. you're either a dentist or you're a blacksmith. I guess some meth and horses. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you can do both. horses too. Yeah. Um, Sorry. But it's no different than. Like some crap. I mean, it's like you're right. working. You're working on yourself, right? And then there's so many different methods to do it. I don't know. I don't know what you were learning there. What I was, I I did mostly Meisner stuff, but you know, I'm, I'm sure at schools it's a kind of. I, I don't know. New York is kind of different. We were a real mix of. I, I, that was something that I loved actually about the theater school. We had a real mix of training. So it was not, we had a couple teachers that were very method and I really didn't like that. So I basically stayed away mm-hmm. from them. That was another mm-hmm. nice thing about being in the BA program. You kind of got to pick and choose. So mm-hmm. most of my professors were fr- actually were like Juilliard people. So they're very physical sure. and very like text-based. It was kind mm-hmm. of that approach. Um, yeah. Yeah. Michael Chekhov. Cool. And, yeah. It was great. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, because it's it's interesting because there had to be something about like the stage that really drew you rather than kind of TV. Because I would feel like a lot of your friends, like you said, would just stay there. But it's like just the decision to like you don't get cast in anything, but you're like, well, fuck it, I'm going to try for this other huge thing. Yeah, it's like you you still had to believe in yourself a little bit, or yeah, know, I mean, still- I was thinking about that earlier today, and I really have a very vivid memory of being at Louisville, and there are like I think there were maybe like 18 of us in the program, maybe 20 or 18 or 20. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember them saying to us on the first day, like, you're here because you're very good. And I don't think anyone had told me I was good before. <laughs> so like that was a very, yeah, I had a, uh, yeah, that was kind of a new, that was a little bit of a, like a switch flipping in my brain. But, but to be totally frank, the other reason that I wanted to 
go to Louisville and take this job was that, I mean, this, I graduated in 2010. So it's still the ta- like the end of the recession. And this was like, I mean, not, not the end of the recession, but it was like still the recession economy. And I like, didn't know how I was going to make money otherwise. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, in Louisville, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was enough to survive on. And I thought I would rather do that and like be able to act and also earn a tiny bit of money than stay yeah. in LA and wait tables and not be sure if I was going to be able to act. So the money was honestly a really big, yeah, the money yeah. was a big part of it. I'm sure. Yeah. And, and it's, you're able to do what, like if you're getting mm-hmm. paid, if, especially when you're young, yeah. if you're, if there's an opportunity where someone goes, we'll pay you to do the thing that you want to do. Like it, it doesn't pay me a hundred bucks. We all done the fucking videos for free and all done our share of hundred dollar videos. You yeah. know what I mean? But like at the time, and I'll still do them. Right. So, oh, but totally. especially when you're young, it's like, you know, I'm going to make a hundred dollars for doing what I like, or like I can pay, they're going to pay me to like live in this place. And I get to just like watch great actors, learn from them, get on stage myself, showcase seems to be like such a win-win yeah, situation. It was, yeah. It was really, it was awesome. What are you taking from that place? Did you, was there any of the kind of like big thing that you took away from that opportunity? Was it just like self-confidence? Was it just like, um, you know, adding tools to the tool belt kind of thing? Yeah, it was, well, it was all of that. I made a lot of really incredible friends and then also made friends with a lot of like the professional actors, most of whom were based in New York. Um, and I, yeah, I felt like I just kind of had coming out of that experience, I had like equity points so I could like go to open calls in New York. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like I had my feet underneath me, like I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. Um, and I knew that I could like go to New York, try to get like, you know, a bartending job, a waitressing job. And then I knew how to do all the other stuff. Like I knew how to get to an open gotcha. call. I knew how to I had friends there. Yeah. I knew how to like put were educated. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when do the when do your kind of setbacks start? You think like when are when are the uh, I, they're happening? I'm sure. Listen, there's always like mini ones. Kind of, I'm sure even right. at your time, at your time there, right? Like yeah. in Louisville, you're probably going through some ups and downs there. It's part of the learning experience, right? But and what when do things start smacking in the face a little bit? Well, I guess um, they're kind of like two answers to this question. So. <laughs> there, well, there are a lot of answers to this question. Failed many Just times. <laughs> uh, yeah, I failed twice, and otherwise it's been great. Um, <laughs> but so I guess this is not really a failure, but it is something I've been thinking about a lot recently, actually over the last like year or two. When I was mm-hmm. in Louisville, there was this thing that happened where um that one of the there was an actor in a show who was just kind of like a creepy dude um mm-hmm. and i want to be very clear he was like not um he was just creepy he would like like hit on basically all the apprentices a lot of like inappropriate touching that kind of stuff um yeah. and i was on the crew for the show that he was in um and there were like all of the other female apprentices felt this way. There were probably, there were like 10 of us and we were all like, Ugh, that guy, he sucks. Um, yeah. And I said something about it to the powers that be because they had made themselves very clear. Like if something's going on, then like, let us know. Um, yeah. And I just, I said that and it really blew up into this whole thing. And I have never been, I 
found out like a couple years later that one of the stage managers was telling a lot of the older professional actors to kind of stay away from me that I was like causing trouble. Um, yeah. And it was so like, that was pretty wild. It was kind of a, um, a little bit of a, like a trial by fire professional situation where I was really in over my head and I didn't understand everything that was happening. And I also feel like nobody was really looking out for me. And so this is not like a failure person. This is not like a, a, a traditional no, failure, but it was a really, I, it, it really took me a couple of years to process it where I like, a co- like now, if you ask me, like looking back on that whole situation, if I would have done anything, I would have said no. Like I just would have mm-hmm. ignored it and like let the problem not talk about the problem, which is mm-hmm. not what I should say, like as a, as a human being, we should hold people accountable for, as a woman, you should like hold people accountable for their behavior. But the way that I was kind of treated after that happened, um, it was like, I was the problem. Um, and so that was really, that was, that was tough. That was weird. And I do feel like kind of fortunately that happened towards the beginning of the year. So by the end of the year, I think there was like some By the end of the year, when we were like doing showcases and kind of like trying to like catapult ourselves to New York, um, there was like time in between that experience. Mm -hmm. So, but I was like really kind of upset by hearing that other older women at the theater were like, stay away from that person about me. It was a weird, yeah, yeah, it was a very weird thing that happened. I, I could send probably a betrayal, right? Like, yeah. There has to be a sense of betrayal and the sense of like dread and also injustice as well. Yeah. I felt like I hadn't. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up, and listening through your app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like a little bit like a betrayal. Too, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you're, this is a this this whole thing, especially when someone opens their door and says, you know, come inside, uh, yeah. to to have them kind of treat you like shit. Well, because you're also at a funny you're at a funny place in life where you're like, we were the Apprentice Company. We were both students. Like we were kind of still kids. You know, even though everybody, you know, everyone was in their 20s, like we're like pretty grown up, but it was our first experience in like a professional work environment. Um, Right. So that's overwhelming. Like It's overwhelming. Yes, exactly. That's what it is. It's like you don't know how to handle it. It's an unfortunate, it's an inexcusable situation. Yeah. It's it's a situation I unfortunately hear a lot about um, and this kind of uh, victim blaming Mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. like like it's that and this goes on all the fucking time and it's it's really like what i just never understand what what they're trying to protect and it's always it's always a bigger thing to people for some reason instead of just doing the right thing there's all these other things that come into play and now you're teaching someone young 
that's just trying to like learning about the world a little bit more that that she can't trust people that if she does stand up for herself there's betrayals there she'll be punished it's like what yeah. the fuck yeah it was it's so insane and i kind of didn't it, it wasn't until later that i kind of realized that the, all of that had happened it was maybe like the year after i was like oh that's why i can't audition for this theater that's why i can't like they're not calling me in for things. Um, so fucked up though. Yeah, I mean, it's so yeah. Ins- it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And like everyone, I'm sorry you went through that. It's yeah. I mean, it's okay. Everybody that is like, uh, it's a, it's a different group of people in charge now, but it was a weird. Yeah. I have like really mixed feelings about it. Looking back on it. Um, you're also because- like one of the nicest people. I, I It's just so crazy to me that like <laughs> what's the other fucked up thing is like just someone saying someone to someone else and them not getting the, chance to know you is also really fucked up in my head yeah that was yeah i mean yeah if they just got a chance to know you they would see like this is all bullshit yeah i think that was like and that kind of illuminated something for me later i was like oh that's why people didn't want to talk to me (laughs) and not not to be confused about that yeah a lot of the women all of the women were like very nice um and very yeah yeah yeah, that's so it's so crazy because you you ha- I'm sure you're in your head during some of that being like, what is going on? Like, why is yeah. this person acting like this to like, you know, like and it's weird in that world. It's, you know, actors are kind of fucking weirdos. But right, right. But still, like, you have to be confused. You have to be like, it has to throw you off a little bit. Yeah, it definitely it definitely it definitely did. And I guess I, there were so many other parts of that experience that were really good. Um I mean, I made like in- incredible friends there and it really did catapult me into New York in terms of like being able to start a professional career. I really did feel like I kind of had a leg up on people. It was like, I mean, it was a little bit like a grad school. It was like a mini grad school. Um, right. That just that one experience I look back on and I just kind of wish th- and this is also not something you can change, but I look back on it and I wish I'd been a little bit older and a little bit smarter and kind of understood the way the world worked a little bit more. I, I know what you're saying. It's it, and, and I commend you for kind of being like, if I would have went back, I would have just, I wouldn't have said anything, but even if that technically wasn't the right thing to do, but it's, that's the reality is like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a sticky situation. It's a real sticky situation. Yeah. I'm sure sh- it's, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was weird. It was really weird. And it wasn't, wasn't until after, I mean, really, it took me a couple of years to kind of like wrap my head around everything that had happened. Like I didn't, yeah. I don't think I really had this perspective on it when it was happening. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you're, yeah, yeah. You're also, you're probably in like a confused state. Yeah. Right. People are <laughs> behaving a certain way to you and you don't totally know why. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're kind of being like gaslighted. Yeah. Gaslit. I yeah. Don't know why, but yeah. So, a little bit. Um. Yeah. But then you eventually do make it out to New York yes. and, and things start kind of. Well, this is my, and then here's my, um, this is my only failure then. But <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get to New York, there's like a showcase at the Humana Festival. I get to New York and have like two agents that are interested in me. And this was also like kind of why I moved to New York. I was like, great, I'm going to move to New York. One of these two agents is going to sign me. Uh, this right. will be the start of my life. Um, and yeah. neither of them signed me. <laughs> They both like had meetings with me and then they were like, thank you so much. We're going in a different direction. And I was like, "Mm, wait, both of you. (laughs) So that really felt, and also like that really felt like having the rug pulled out from underneath me, which is like, of course an agent is not everything. Like, of course agents don't 
Agents are a big deal. They open a lot of doors, but they also don't open every door. And they're not mm-hmm. they're not as big of a deal as we all think they are. Um, Especially most people I talk to on this podcast, a lot of the stuff that they've done that got them their thing is them doing it themselves. Yes. I mean, that's how I got on. That's how I booked the pilot of How to Get Away with Murder. So, like, that's – but but how? that Wait, really – got to tell that story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so – that I guess like not showing up in New York and having both agents be like, no, never mind. That was really I I really like spiraled. I spiraled a little bit after that. I was like, okay, what am what I doing? Are, None of my friends are here. Like, right, I have a right. waiting tables job. And oh no, I, at that time I was a hostess. I was like, I have a hostessing job, and that's it. I can I can't yeah. afford anything. This is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, what does spiraling look like for you? Are you like depressed and not going out? Are you not talking to people? Or are you like actively looking for jobs and 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 kind of thinking about you know the next week and yeah like how, how do you how do you handle these i I'm, guess it changes over the years but early on like how are you handling this stuff well i'm a person that when i get like down and depressed i uh tend to like work really hard which is mm-hmm. you know a good, like good little superpower it, it is a good superpower <laughs> and then you also have moments of like oh, I'm not actually dealing with what's the problem here. Yeah, sure, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, your mania yes, is, is, not is productive, helpful. but not helpful. Yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah, currently, you know, like uh, doing all the sewing is kind of, uh, it's kind of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I would like, I guess I, you know, I was so broke. Like I, I think what suffered is that I wouldn't really go out and see friends or like, I really couldn't afford to like see plays and see shows. So I would just like, I would work. I like had a very exact budget. I would just try to audition all the time, like going onto backstage and actors access. Um, any of those pan out or no, um, and you get, are you getting little things here and there? Yeah. Like little stuff here and there, you know, it's honestly such a good lesson. And like, um, it was like the first show that I got cast in was, a show that like friends were putting on and it was in like the, the old flea theater in like Tribeca, mm-hmm. like the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. It was just like a bunch of little one acts. We, a couple of our shows got canceled because of hurricane Irene, I think. <laughs> but, <Perfect>. um, <laughs> yeah. But like met like a bunch of really lovely people that, you know, I'm still friends with and like j- did a bunch of stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then like, I also had like so many really nice connect connections from actors theater where the people that were, like directors would like ask me to audition for stuff. And that was when, you know, that was like really, I think when I started to book um, the like bigger stuff or like stuff that was like paying a little bit and stuff that was like mm-hmm. a little more high profile um, was really through like most right. of those relationships. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, cause we think when we're younger, especially if I'm guessing you go to USC, you see the path, right. Mm-hmm. And you think like, Oh, this is how it works for everybody. But I feel like a majority of the people, and listen, half the shit's like based on looks, kind of who you know, who your fucking parents are. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is nepotism. You don't realize that. There is a naivety when you start this out where you're like, I'm just going to – I want to be a star kind of thing. Yeah. And, and – uh, or or not. You know, I don't I don't, I don't, don't know. You know, I don't think I – when I was younger, I was like, I want to be in the movies. You know, maybe I was. I, I don't fucking know. But <laughs> I think what I was <laughs> – I don't know what I was like. <laughs> I think what I was maybe a little – what I was unprepared for was how much money is like a huge factor in those early years of your life. Like, yeah, right. um, because I, I was lucky and I had like a decent restaurant job. Um, mm-hmm. but I was, you know, I was living in like a four bedroom Harlem apartment where I was like paying $500 a month in rent and we, there were mm-hmm. cockroaches everywhere. And so yeah. like I was making maybe like $300 a week as a hostess at this point in time. Yep. And 
I remember walking in one day and one of the other, somebody I worked with was very upset because they, they said, they were like, my parents are cutting me off. And I was like, bitch, your parents what? are paying for shit? <laughs> what? I was like, what? Oh, okay. I'm not sorry. Like, <laughs> that's, uh, it's unkind of me. But I was like, yeah, I mean, I also, I remember thinking that when Girls came out, because um, I was like pretty new to New York when that show started. And I was like writing a lot of like web series for like me and my friends to act in. And I do mm-hmm. remember thinking, and like, I like Girls a lot more than a lot of people. I think the show's like decent. It has its flaws, whatever. That's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I remember like looking at that cast and being like, oh, if you want to get cast on a TV show when you're 25, right. y- you have to have been famous already. Famous yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have very like successful parents. Yes. That, you know, that at least gets you. It doesn't mean that you're it does, it, nepotism for me is always like, I think you still have to be talented, although yes. we know that there's situations where that's not true as well. But the so the talents there, it's just that there's so many, like how many people do we know and us included going through this, like where, like if you, if the door was just open a little bit more for you or that one opportunity or your fucking headshot that wasn't dropped on the goddamn ground. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like things are just a little, things are stacked up against actors, I think in general. And I think talent will bring you super far, but you also really do need some luck and you do need a mentor, I think, or mm-hmm. someone that believe one person that believes in you that opens up, you know, the door to the second level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just to kind of get you in that door, and mm-hmm. then there's more doors that need to be open. But get just getting your foot in that door is important. So it's such a, it's so, um, yeah, it's 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 difficult sometimes to see how that door is open for easier people. And then right. there's all people at different levels, uh, and then think of people you know, from marginalized communities, what's stacked up against them. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many things that are stacked up against so many different people (laughs) that, that, um, that, yeah, it's not a meritocracy. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, it, nobody tells you the truth that it takes, if you like it, it it just will take longer for you to get it off the ground. Like, and there's no path, right? right? There's like, like, because I was going to ask you, I was like, oh, you seem to be like, you had this kind of vision. Okay. Now you're a hostess. Are you, you answered it, but like, you're making your own shit though, right? Like you're motivated to make your own stuff at this point. Yeah. I like made a little web series and I was taking like, I made a, I made a web series with friends. I was taking some, I took like one UCB sketch writing class and then like improv at the pit. Um, so Mm -hmm. I was like, I I made this whole web series about like a group of girlfriends and I cast my four girlfriends in it who were all had, who'd all worked at actress theater with me. Um, Mm -hmm. And we just like made it and put it up and it's not great, but it was such a, it was like a, a really great outlet for me at that point in time. Um, Just to like, and also just to understand like what goes into producing something. Um, And like, Oh, a sound person is really important. Get a good sound person. And I mean, (laughs) we made it. Yeah. We did it for like no money. And we also didn't, I mean, like I also, when I set out to make that show, I didn't set out to make it anything super popular. I just wanted to make it for me. That was kind of Mm -hmm. the first time that I remember like, Oh, I just want to make this like 12 episode thing. They're all little, they're all short things. Everybody was making a web series at this point, but I was like, I'm not going to sell this to anybody. This, I just want to like make this for me. And like, is this OMG high or is no, this before that? This is called, it was called the life and times of Jenny Faber. And it, so it was before mm-hmm. that. And then OMG, I ended up making with a friend a couple years later. And that was like, gotcha. we had some money. Well, I didn't, 
Jay was a Jay got some money involved and like you know it was like a couple yeah. thousand dollars or whatever. Um, sure. Yeah, sure. it's like yeah, I feel like everyone has phases of web series. You do the one for free, and then you do the one where you like raise a little bit of money, and then. And it's so funny to like now go on like production meetings or start to hear about like the bigger projects and stuff like that and how people go like, oh my God, the budget was super small, right? Yeah, it was super small. It was like $3 million. I was like, what? (laughs) That's a small project? You know, like I'm so still naive about like how big, how much money is spent on things. I was like, give me $3,000. I can make something, you know what I mean? somewhat decent um i remember that i was doing a show that i wasn't getting paid very much money for but was like a really cool project at saint anne's like warehouse um this was yeah this was maybe like i don't know it was maybe like a year after i'd moved to the city and i mean we weren't i don't think we were getting paid at all if we were getting paid it was like a hundred dollars and it was like i mean it was like a full rehearsal process we had to be there all the time um and i somehow got through sheer nepotism i got to be on an episode of one life to live. And that day of shooting that episode literally was made me pay rent for like the four weeks that I was rehearsing this like <laughs> artsy, like Brooklyn warehouse show. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. Wait, this is how this one works life to live? through you one life to- because a friend of my uncle's, there you go. Yeah, it was sheer nepotism. It was a friend of my uncle's yeah. who I th- believe is was on the show or was producing the show. And he was like, Oh, like just they were talking. He was like, Oh, my aunt, my, my niece just moved to New York. And he was like, oh, I'll, ha- I'll have her come in and read with the casting director. So like read with yeah. the casting director and they were like, here's four lines. You have to like do these. I was like, thank you. <laughs> was it when did the, all the writing start? So it started, I guess, in the in the um, so you take a sketch class and stuff like that. But it feels like a lot of like recently, they say in the last couple of years, like, OK, you put you're just put out a book this year. Yeah. So it's like, how the hell did it get all the way up to that? I know so, the book's based on your show, right? Yeah. That mm-hmm. you were doing. Yeah. So I so, ended up back. I ended up kind of like I took like one class at UCB and just didn't um I didn't like click or like find my people so then I never took I didn't take classes again and then when like mm-hmm. the two-year timestamp is gonna run out on when you can take like the next levels of sketch writing it, this was like yeah. I was like oh I, I guess maybe I'll just finish those like I at that point in time I had the spare money to pay for a class so right. I've took 301 and met Laura, Laura Lane in that class. And she and I oh, then cool. wrote this sketch show together. Um, we called it Femme Fairy Tales and the book is now called Cinderella and the Glass Ceiling and Other Feminist mm-hmm. Fairy Tales. Yes. Um, yeah. So we My like- My daughter flips through it often, even though she's one one in change. The pictures right? are very cool. They're very pretty. They are. They're very pretty. <laughs> it's not, yeah. Um, don't read it yet, but it's for adults. <laughs> it's not, it's not even that, you know, it's so funny because the first chapter is all about like the little mermaid getting a vagina because along with uh-huh. legs, you also get a vagina and that's like unaddressed uh-huh. in this fairy tale. Um, and it wasn't until like, I always like, so that was great. one of my favorite sketches in the show. And it wasn't yeah. until like the week before the book came out where I was like, Oh, my mom's going to read this and my grandma. And I had this like, I like like Midwestern like pearl clutching moment of like oh uh-huh. no <laughs> uh-huh. that's great that's great <laughs> this is terrible yeah, it's, it's so it's so crazy you know I mean a lot of the writers I talked to some of them were like I knew I wanted to be a writer since I was a kid and I've been writing since a kid that's a lot more of like the novelists I've talked to but mm-hmm. a lot of people that kind of get into like TV writing and stuff like that they kind of start out in the acting side of things and yeah. it's usually out of necessity. That you have to, and New York's such a great place to collaborate. I mean, it mm-hmm. truly is like I think the best place because you're just kind of in this whole thing together. It's different. There's a different feel. I mean, you went to school out here. I'm sure you yeah. speak to it as well. That New York is a special place to kind of get your chops down and 
and uh, collaborate, I would say. Yeah, you seem to have a little more time and people mm-hmm. are think are more eager to just like make the art or make the thing. Um, yes, this is what I was trying to talk about before, like the difference between like the acting schools and stuff like that. It's like, pe- I think the New York style is like, we're doing this without a bigger plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? There might be one in the back of your head. You know, there might be one, you know, there might be this ultimate dream. But there's something about like doing this fun thing, like when Drew and I were doing fucking uh, Billy Joel. Yeah, shit, there was no like grander plan. It was just like this is stupid. Uh-huh. Let's let's put all our effort into this dumb thing. Uh-huh. You know, with no other thought, <laughs> like where where we would go with this. And I feel like I think that this is probably a byproduct of like both who I am as a person plus my time at USC and at Actors Theater is that I feel mm-hmm. like I've always had the thing in my back in the back of my head. That's like, okay, what's the five-year plan? What's the 10-year plan? Like, what's the mm-hmm. goal? And even you like- have had that. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of have always- Yeah. I've always had that. And like, I don't think I've ever hit them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, also like what, like writing a book was not in the plan either. Um, mm. But- mm-hmm. Right. Like wanting to put myself, I think kind of at the, the ultimate goal, I think for me and my career now is that like, I want to be a showrunner and I want to be able to like write and act in the show in like a mm-hmm. show. Um, mm-hmm. and so like getting myself back to UCB and like doing that sketch writing class was like, I was like, ah, oh, that'll be a good skill to have because I'll have like more joke writing skills. Like right. it, 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 it's like a really great sketch writing is such a great like editing tool because it's only, yeah. yeah, you only write exactly literally what you need on the page. And this is a great example though, of what I talk about a lot. And I've said this example all the time where I was kind of lost and, and, uh, started working with my dad's old football coach, who was like the superintendent of schools in this uh, town in New Jersey. Uh-huh. And, um, and so I was like a substitute teacher and he was, he was just like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I think I want to act. And he goes, great. All your goals, it's just like, it starts at like the trunk of a tree. And then like you at least start pursuing that goal. And then it branches off at a certain point, meaning you wanted to be an actor, but then, and your plan was not to write a book, but because you went back and took that class, Mm -hmm. you meet this, you're now collaborator, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, I wanted to be an actress. Now here's a goal. I want to be an actress and then write my own stuff and show run my own stuff. Great. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? Branch off into this class. You meet this person. All of a sudden you're writing a fucking goddamn novel. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's a collection of stories. Yes. A, an, a collection of comedic essays, if you will. Comedic <laughs> essays. Yeah. Yeah. But still, that's like crazy. Like, though, yeah. Were you writing these goals down? Or was or are they just in your head? Yeah, no, I journal a lot. I guess I they're not even real journals, they're just like scribbles, but I keep them all. Um mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. and I, I also do a lot of like New Year's resolutions. Like I, I think about that a lot in January mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, what do I want to get done this year? Um what do I yeah, almost every year I kind of do like a five year plan, like a and then like mm-hmm. what do I a, like where where do I want to be in five years and then where do I want to be at the end of this year? And sometimes mm-hmm that makes me really depressed. Like, especially if it's a sure. year that like, yeah. if it's a down year where like it doesn't happen or you don't, I think that's why people don't do these yeah, sometimes. I, I, I do what you do, but, and I do it by year. So sometimes I'll realize, Oh, I didn't get all these things this year. So this is depressing to look at, but I'll realize sometimes like two or three of those will happen in two or three years. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is depressing ch- the check-in. <laughs> yeah. And I like, because sometimes I also I can be really tough on myself, and so sometimes I, 
I only like now know as like a slightly older person that the goal writing is really good because it does propel me in that direction. But what I can't do is beat myself up when I don't get to those goals because yes, right. there's so much of this industry is outside of your control. And I think that's why so many actors end up writing and why I've always wanted to write my own stuff because you do have more of the power in that situation. You obviously mm-hmm. don't have the power to like, you know, give yourself the money to make it, but you do right. have the power to create the content or like to tell the story, right? Like you're in charge of yes. what the story is. But when you start doing that, that, that it opens up this whole other realm of not failure, but setbacks and this yeah. whole other world that I was naive to as well when I started writing, which is like, oh, here's this thing that I, I spent so much other time, like, listen, we've been storytelling a lot. So sometimes like whether you're writing the story or you're acting in the story, there's still some sort of storytelling going on. I'm sure when we were kids, we had big imaginations. So you're exercising that. So there's all sorts of like, you understand storytelling, you understand imagination, you understand worlds. There's all that stuff going on. But I always had this, this crippling self doubt and, um, I guess stupidity now thinking back to it of like, I spent so much time working on my acting craft Uh. that I didn't spend time. I wish I just spent all that time writing. You know what I mean? And that is so dumb to beat yourself up Yeah, (laughs) to do that. You know what I mean? (laughs) I almost went back to grad school for screenwriting and like, Mm -hmm. I decided not to go because I didn't want to take on the student debt. Um, because it was like the first year of my life that I had booked a couple commercials and like, had money. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was like, well, if I go to grad school, I'm going to be throwing all of that away. And I like for months after I turned, after I said, no, I'm not going to go. I like spiraled. I was, I was like, I, I should have gone. I should have done it. Like (laughs) why would I worry about the money? I shouldn't worry about the money. And now it's fine. It's good. I didn't go. But <laughs> and also it's like, you do need to worry about the money. Sometimes yeah. there's sometimes there's crippling fears with yes. money that hold us back from certain aspects of improving ourselves or pushing us towards that dream. There are leap of faith moments, mm-hmm. but sometimes with those leap of faith moments, I think, I think there's other moments that do come up and I, I've tried to believe in that. And even if it's foo-foo or magical or out there, I think sometimes those regrets that you have or those moments that you wish you did something, I feel like there's a, another opportunity that pops up that might not be that, but is similar or at least pushes you in the direction that maybe you're supposed to be going. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough to see that in the moment though. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a, you kind of just have to have a little bit of faith and hang in there. And that's (laughs) so hard to have. I think, um, one of my favorite acting professors from college, she loved to talk about like how New York, and I think this is why I've stayed in New York for so long, really fulfilled her as a person. She was like, when I was having a bad day, I would go to the Met and you don't have to, mm-hmm. you give them a dollar, you know, give them a dollar because you're a resident of the city and then just like yep. walk around there for a while. And it makes you mm-hmm. feel so much better. And I, I think oh, that yeah. is, you know, like I didn't have any money when I was first living here and I would just like run all the time. I would just do mm-hmm. so many loops of Central Park. And I was like, this is nice. This is a nice park mm-hmm. I can be in. Yep. Yep. Um, Mine was Museum of Natural History. That was oh, my yeah. safe space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was like my like, I can be here by myself and and just kind of take it all in. Mm-hmm. But what when you start writing, now you're writing screenplays though. Like you've you've pitched stuff and 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 all that. Is that are where do you? Is there things that you're taking from say like your pursuit in acting mm-hmm. and putting it towards that? You know, like with 
you, know, you have to have a thick skin with rejection and stuff like that. It's just different with writing because sometimes it's like things are on hold or you get little – like with acting, it's like you just never hear back. Yes, but yeah. with writing, it seems like – there's always a little carrot dangling. Yeah. Like yeah. this person read and they liked it and you go, great. And then you don't hear back for three months and they go, they want to get on the phone. And then that takes two months right. to set up. And you know what I mean? It's like all these things. Yeah. Happen. I think that with like, I think with writing projects, acting has given me a, th- a thick enough skin that, I mean, that's, I think the, the pro and the con of like doing all these stupid auditions all the time is that like, mm-hmm. I just don't, I am not phased by rejection in terms of writing at all, because like any win feels like any little win feels like a huge win. I was like, yeah, I've been yeah, set yeah, out to yeah. do this. This is great. Like, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's so funny. <laughs> That's like a good thing to take with you. Yeah. It's just, just like, yeah, they didn't like it. It's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't set out to do this. So it's, it's not as, it's not as big. Yeah, I, you were, It's also like, I have been to so many auditions where they didn't like me. Like, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> You understand that feeling of like, oh, you don't like this, right? It's like, it's, I try to like frame it as like, you don't like this right now. Yes. You don't like me right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. hard. I I could do that in a perspective shift and, and say that now when you're going through it, it's a fucking nightmare and you feel like a small little asshole, but yeah, it's, it's right now, I think is a very important thing to kind of know with all of this shit. They don't like you right now. Most of the time they don't remember you. So you can audition for them again. Your goal is to just try to present them something that they go, I could see this, but it's just not for us right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like that's the goal. Right. And like the victory is when they call you back for something else. Like, yes. Yeah. Like dear God, I've auditioned for marvelous Mrs. Maisel so many times and have yet to book it, but like God love them. They keep calling me back. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, that's the best part. Like that's, that's part of forming relationships with casting directors. You know what I mean? Like you did your job. They like you. Yeah. They just, it's just for every reason they like you, but the director might yeah. uh, have a different person in mind or you're blonde. They want a brunette. Right. There's all these things that are so out of your control. You were saying before that with uh, how to get away with murder, you, you set up that audition yourself. Yeah. Okay. So this was a wild ride. Um, I don't know if you remember this because there were a lot of UCB people that did this, but I, there was, okay. So when the Super Bowl was in New York City, so mm-hmm. that was the Seahawks like that? Is that right? I don't remember. I think um, so. Um, yeah, Seahawks Denver, maybe. Um, so mm-hmm. for some reason, I don't understand why. Time Warner Cable set up this fake television studio in the Meatpacking District. And it was like some promotional event for the Super Bowl. And you walked through this fake TV studio that had all of these like <laughs> fake sets. Like there was a fake what? ESPN set. I still don't, to this day, I still don't understand what it was for <laughs> like i don't know who was going i don't know what there and there was this was something where there was so much money involved like they had yeah there was just gob a, an ungodly amount of money was spent on this thing for people to just walk through and like yeah get it was like promo for shows oh and the mm-hmm. other thing they had uh when game of thrones had some sort of like traveling exhibit so people wanted to go to that to see like costumes yes. okay yes so I did, I was a tour guide at this fake TV studio <laughs> pretending to give people a tour of a television studio. It was truly wild. It was insane. And because of that, there was a guy who was also a fake tour guide who was based out of Philadelphia. He lived in Philly and New York. Um, and the How to Get Away with Murder pilot shot in Philly. And mm-hmm. one of there was a casting director that he knew very well down in Philly. And they were looking for people specifically for the pilot with improv experience. So he reached mm-hmm. out to a couple of us and said, like, 
hey, do you want to come down to, like, you have to come down to Philly to audition for this, but like, do you want to? It's a Shonda Rhimes pilot. And I was like, yeah, I don't have, mm-hmm. I don't have an agent. Like I, I'll audition for literally any pilot, anything I will audition for. Um, so I like rented a car, uh, drove down to Philly, auditioned, like drove myself back. Again, this was like between, I think, a bartending shift and a tutoring lesson. Um <laughs> And then and tour guide yeah, and being a fake tour guide for a fake TV show, fake TV studio. <laughs> and then, and then like got the call back and then, um, booked. Yeah. Then booked the part because, and crazy, I, yeah, it was really wild. I think it was also, it was kind of a, a good, um, it was just, this is, a, I was just really lucky because for whatever reason, it's like a pilot, but for whatever reason they wanted people that could like improvise and be funny as like these mm. other students in the show. Um, right, and right. I was just able to, I was able to do that like pretty yeah. easily. I remember yeah. I had a couple friends in law school at the time. So I like called them and I was like, give me some law school phrases. Like, <laughs> what do you guys say? <laughs> so you did research. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, I prepped for it. Um, yeah, and then like, awesome. yeah. And then shooting the pilot was fucking great because they let us improvise and they weren't letting everybody improvise, but a couple of us that had like these smaller student parts, um, they were letting us improvise. And I like kind of went off and they, I very, I like very vividly remember this, that I was acting, um, Viola Davis is very incredible and does almost all of your scenes with you. But this is the only time that I was ever acting with a tennis ball and I was acting with a tennis ball. Um, and cause this was like, it was like a 15 hour day. Um, and I just like did this, I did my lines, did my lines again. They were like still rolling. And the guy who was the showrunner was like, go ahead. And I just like kind of riffed this like monologue. And that's uh-huh. and that's what ended up in the pilot. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And so like I really – I was just like very lucky because I was very prepared for that moment. And then he just mm-hmm. wrote that little character into the show for the next six years. So – that's I like, so cool. yeah, I would like pop up in, I, I didn't have a huge part on the show, but I would pop up in like the classroom scenes, um, always as nervous girl. And I eventually got a name, <laughs> but like <laughs> I got to, th- and they yeah, would, but- they would let me kind of improvise a little bit. It, it, and like, they didn't, they didn't ever really, they would only let me do like one take when the series was actually shooting because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're like shooting a show, it's the schedule's a lot shit's, tighter. Shit's, shit's moving. Yeah. 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 So yeah, but it's, it's, such, it's so funny that it co- it just goes down to those like one moment, just this like small moment sometimes where you go, all right, I'm just going to go off now, you know, like, and just do my thing. Yeah. Where did you, I guess they, I guess to do that, especially in a pilot, especially a Shonda Ron's pilot, I'm, I'm guessing they set up the environment. Like you said, they let us, a couple of us improvise, but for you to feel comfortable to really go for it, it's probably a, it's, an environment where you're like, all right, I feel safe here to do this. Yeah. I mean, consistently that is like the years that I have worked on that show, it's consistently the nicest set I've ever been on. Everyone is so kind. And like, I'm it a hundred percent comes from everybody at the top. That's like a top down Mm -hmm. thing, but everyone is so nice. And the guy who was directing the pilot was just very like friendly. And he, he, he was really the sort of director that, um, is on the actor's sides. Like I remember there was another girl in the pilot who was having to do a British accent. Um, and it was Mm -hmm. very good. And he pulled her, he pulled her aside and he was like, your accent is flawless. I want you to do one take without it because the guy who's in charge of the studio is British. And I just want you, I, she, he was like, I don't want you to get cut in case he wants to cut it. Um, and it was like, I remember watching him do that. And it was such a nice, he like really took the time to like talk to this woman. It was just really like nice. And you don't like you, there are horror stories of sets that aren't like that. And that set was oh, yeah. really always like that. 
That's awesome. Yeah. How how was the writing process of a book? Did you oh, put, yeah. like what what was what was that like? Yeah. Like, so, so Laura and I, book. yeah, very first book. Um, I honestly, even almost everything that I've written is like scripts. It was really kind of my first mm-hmm. like essay writing thing. Like yeah. I, um, I really haven't written that many essays that have been published. They've all just been like personal. Um, so Laura and I had written the sketch show together. Femme Fairy Tales ran at UCB in New York, and then we did it in LA too. Um, so, and we had written the show together. She had brought in a couple of fairy tales to our 301 class. And I was like, these are really funny. This would make a really good show can I help you make it? And we, so then we wrote the sketches together. Um, so we had the experience under our belt and she's also, she and I have both collaborated with other people. So we both have a lot of experience like writing with other people. Um, so that was fairly easy, honestly. Um, but we just like sat down and through the process of putting together the book proposal, we had kind of outlined the whole book and we'd written about like the drafts of like six chapters, we only ended up including, I think, two of the chapters in the proposal, but we had kind of an idea of where it was going to go. Um, gotcha. So then once we got the contract for the book, we basically turned it around in like six months. Um, oh, wow. It was really fast, but it's just really – I have always found it pretty easy to write with somebody else, especially if it's mm-hmm. comedy. It's um, it's easy to like sit down and like pitch jokes back and forth. Maybe the hardest mm-hmm. part is like the outlining phase. Um, sure. Cause you kind yeah. of have to like live through that together. Like if you're just writing something, you can like write it and then scrap it. And then, mm-hmm. but when you're working with somebody else, like figuring out what the meat of the story is, that can be a little harder. Um, yeah. But she and I just like worked really well together. She was pregnant at the time and then had a newborn. So we were always working at her apartment. Um, <laughs> on, yeah, it was, it was really wild. Um, <laughs> but we just like worked in Google docs and, and kind of banged it out. I mean, we did a lot of, I was doing a lot of reading of like comedy essays just to kind of think about how to structure, like what's different in structuring a sketch as opposed to mm-hmm. an essay and like a fairy tale also. Cause that's a whole other genre that has all yeah, these like right. fun twists and turns yeah, it was um, it was great. It was, was it how do how do you guys kind of write together? Is it so you are in the same room? Yeah, like for the outlining phase. But then, do you like go off and like you take one story or you take one part of a story or honestly, just or are you or are you actually writing it together? Um, we were literally writing it together, just kind of out of necessity, I think, because I mean, Laura didn't have Laura had a newborn and like didn't have yeah. time to like. Yeah, we didn't have time. We didn't really at that point have time to meet and then go away and write. We basically had like four hours. Yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, you get it. Yeah. We had like a set amount of time, which honestly made us so much more productive. It was like, we and we even we called them. We called everything uh, trash drafts, like, (laughs) or no, garbage drafts, I think it was one of the two. Uh But we would say like, yeah, let's just or a dumpster. I don't remember what we called it, but we would like, yeah, something just, where you're just shitting it out. Yeah. Yeah. We would kind of go haywire in a Google doc mm-hmm. that we like, we had our computers together. We had a Google doc going, yeah. um, yeah. would type it out and then we would just go back and edit it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, w- with OMG, with, with, with that kind of blowing up, what did you have when that happened? Were you like shocked and, and were you like, Oh God, because I th- didn't yeah. you try to, didn't you try to make that into something bigger? We tried to that? sell that. Yeah, you know what? It's so this is um so uh, J- the guy that I wrote that show with is a guy named Jay Wolf who's super funny. Yeah. We write a lot together. He works mm-hmm. for Always Late with Katie Nolan right now. Um mm-hmm. and he so we wrote he had the idea for it. I helped him with the scripts. We kind of 
wrote it together that for that for that project we like traded scripts back and forth um mm-hmm. and it really blew up on facebook because it was like very funny and i think the acting was good and jay also is a very good director of he's a really good mm-hmm. director of comedy um yeah. and it just looked really good the whole show looked really polished um mm-hmm. so we tried so hard to sell that show to like somebody else we were like we tried so hard to parlay that into like i don't know comedy central we can make something for you too or like this random studio that doesn't exist anymore that's for like kids on the youtube (laughs) like we can make something else and we never got a deal like and so that was so frustrating because i'm so proud of that show um and honestly i've walked into so many casting offices and they've been like we saw omg's high it was great which is awesome and wonderful and has that has been its own reward that was like a really frustrating experience of making something that I thought was that really good. Everyone seemed to love. Yeah. Yes. That you know is good. Like you act well in it. It's funny. Yeah. Like it's like one of those like, oh, this is the project where all the stars align. And then it, this is what's crazy about this industry. We go like and it, and it goes viral. There's hundreds of thousands of people that are watching it. And it's like even that someone goes like, ah, nah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was Why? <laughs> there's so there's so many. Laura and I went through this thing. It's like there's so many outlets like how bad are we, you know, we kept thinking like, what the fuck? Like everyone, there's people that we respect like this thing, but for some reason you can't like bring it to the people that are actually pulling the trigger with things. Yeah. I'm sure it's maddening. Well, and like everybody will tell you to your face that they love it and that it's great. (laughs) And then like nobody will give you the money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or, or, you know, we've, I found like the people I really respect are people that tell you why, you know, like it doesn't work for this. And, And it's like a reason like you get and not a reason that, is just like, oh, I feel like that's just an easy answer. Like, oh, yeah, it's just not what we make right now. You know, yeah. I, there's part of me that's always like, oh, if it's good enough, you'll fucking make it. That's true to some extent, but not always the case. But right. yeah, hearing hearing the reasons, though, is always very helpful to just be like, I mean, it's like with acting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's some roles that I've heard back from where someone goes, oh, you weren't cast because of this. And it's like, oh, Jesus, it's all about the like imagining why not. Right. And then when you hear the why, you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Whenever whenever someone tells me why I didn't get the part, my instinct is always to be like, don't tell me that. I didn't want to hear that. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, really? Oh, I'm opposite. Yeah, I love it. I, I can handle the feedback for like writing stuff, but with acting, my brain is just so like. Yeah, no, if I don't hear from you, I know I didn't get the part. Like, <laughs> don't tell me why you're not casting me. <laughs> yeah. No, I found it extremely helpful. I'm opposite because yeah. it's like hearing hearing the ver- – and and it's things I believe from people I trust, right? So it's right. like, oh, that makes sense. Um, I Or or it's like, yep, that was, that's totally out of my control. Or like, oh, cool, I did my job. Or I yes. did enough of a job for them to want to tell me why I didn't get it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I did my job enough for someone to be like – we like to, you know, yeah. because it's when I don't hear back from anything. I was like, oh, all right. I must have fucking really blown that one. Yeah. So I'm a little opposite than that. <laughs> I had a, I had a professor who always said, like, your job is to get the callback. Um, mm-hmm. And because, like, you have it in your control to get the callback. You don't have right. nothing else is in your control after that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many people making choices that mm-hmm. we, and so many people I've talked to on here that I'm just like, damn, man. Yeah. Just like wrong day person making decision maybe made a mistake or just like you looked a certain way it's just, they dropped your headshot on the floor of the bing theater just- at usc <laughs> <laughs> um well thank you for t- chatting with me yeah thanks for awesome. having me of course I, of so don i love this podcast so much and i am going to miss it it's really yeah, a joy yeah, to listen too. to yeah thank you yeah. thank you i appreciate that 
That was Ellen Hahn. Thank you, Ellen, for doing this. Check out Cinderella on the Glass Ceiling and other feminist fairy tales wherever you get your books nowadays. I recommend bookshop.org so you can support and buy from local bookstores. But if you got to get it from Bezos.hell, feel free to do so. Follow Ellen at Ellen Hahn on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Don Finelli or at The Need to Fail. Questions, concerns, failure stories of your own, hit me up at the need to fail at gmail.com. Please keep rating and reviewing the show on iTunes and Stitcher and telling all your failure friends to do so as well. That's it for me here. We got all new failures coming at you next week. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Don Finelli. Mahalo your dream. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.